Welcome to episode 177 of the Spokesman Cycling Roundtable podcast. This show was recorded on Tuesday 9th of January 2018. And despite what I say in the introduction which follows, this is the third show of 2018, not the second. The Spokesman Cycling Roundtable podcast is brought to you by Jensen USA, where you'll always find a great selection of products at amazing prices with unparalleled customer service. For more information, just go to jensenusa.com slash the spokesman. And now for a limited time, new customers to Jensen USA who are referred by the spokesman get 10% off one item. Simply enter the spokesman, no spaces, at checkout. Hi there, I'm Carlton Reed of BikeBiz.com and welcome to the second Spokesman Cycling Industry Roundtable podcast of 2018. Yep, two already. Now, perhaps the biggest bike story in 2017. The Spokesman Cycling Roundtable podcast is brought to you by Jensen USA, where you'll always find a great selection of products at amazing prices with unparalleled customer service. For more information, just go to jensenusa.com slash the spokesman. And now for a limited time, new customers to Jensen USA who are referred by the spokesman get 10% off one item. Simply enter the spokesman, no spaces, at checkout. Tony Roberts of Bike Plus. And giving an industry uh, representing view is, is Antonia. Um, uh, so I'd like to go to Antonia first, because Antonia, you give well. Describe what Bike Plus is, rather than me tell people what it is. What what, what does Bike Plus do for the bike uh, bike dockless sector and the bike share sector as a whole? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm Antonia Roberts. I'm the director of, of Bike Plus, which is a, part of a, a charity, Car Plus. Bike Plus, which represents the shared transport sector. We're an independent charity that helps to uh, develop schemes to maximise the social and environmental benefits and, and be, be a voice um, for the sector to help promote it. And you, you've come from, not you personally, but the organisation has come from another sector, as, a, as it were, a, 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 an automotive sector. We've been um, helping to develop the car sharing car club sector since uh, 2000. So I think there's a lot of crossovers between the different industries in terms of there being those uh, relationships between public and private sector and um, and it being important to get all the kind of success factors right to get schemes to work well, that they're not a simple, simple in, um, industry. OK, now I'm going to ask people right at the end uh, to tell us, you know, websites and Twitter handles and where people can get in touch with you. Uh, so we don't have to go into that now. But if we could have some um, bit of background from people of where they've they've come from in this industry. So I'll, I'll get on to, to Tom and to Joe and to, to Steve in a minute. But Antonia, where did you come from before you got into this? Ah, OK. Well, actually, I was involved with the setting up of Car Plus um, of 20 nearly 20 years ago um I, I stayed around to develop um develop the charity and then i went off and worked for sustrans for a while um uh, helping to get more people cycling and then came back and put the two together the shared transport sector and, and cycling together so i worked for sustrans for five years before i came back here okay that's cool i didn't know that thank you uh so um i'm gonna go through um 
each in turn. However, Steve has now said he is, uh, he is online. So I'm going to try and bring him online. But in the meantime, while I'm doing that, I'm going to go through people. Uh, so it'll be Tom first, or Antonia first, in fact, because we've just heard from Antonia. Then it's going to be Tom. Then it's going to be um, uh, Joseph. And then it's going to be Steve when I bring him on. So that's going to be the order. So when people are listening at home, that's going to be the order. Uh, we're going to be answering uh, these questions. So before I bring uh, Steve on there, Tom, could you just uh, take the show away with yourself? Tell us a little bit about you. Tell us a little bit about Erbo and, and your very, very interesting <coughs> educational entrepreneurial background. Absolutely. Thank you, Carlton. So firstly, I'll, I'll start off talking uh, about Erbo and then I'll, I'll go into uh, talking about a little bit about myself. So Erbo, um, we're an Irish company. Um, and like it, many uh, Irish international brands, uh, we deliver quality. So our <laughs> aim is to provide uh, councils uh, in Ireland, the UK and Europe with the premium dockless uh, bike sharing solution. Uh, Erbo uh, has, I suppose, the bicycle in its roots. The man with the vision behind the company is Shane Connachton. And Shane has been uh, in the bicycle industry for the last 30 years. Uh, started off with humble beginnings with, it, with a, a brilliant bicycle shop in Dublin city centre, uh, but then went on to grow uh, a very well-known business called Yvolution that provides the likes of uh, Walmart in the US, Toys R Us, Argos here in the UK with kids, balanced bicycles and scooters. So he's the man with the vision uh, behind Erbo. And he invited uh, myself uh, and my brother Brian uh, to join the management team uh, for the last seven years, Brian and I uh, have been in the service industry, more notably the uh, education sector. So we provided uh, private tuition to students studying the equivalent to the A-levels here in the UK. So uh, we started that business seven years ago uh, and we grew it to uh, become the largest private secondary level educational company in Ireland. Uh, and in 2017, uh, we exited that business to concentrate uh, on Herbal. Uh, cheers, Tom. So uh, same question to Joseph. Joseph, you've also had an interesting uh, and some of it a bicycle background. Yeah, that's correct. Um, so firstly, thanks thanks for inviting us today. It's great to be here. Um, so uh, my, my background is uh, I did environmental science and uh, business studies at university and then worked in car club sector for the last 10 years which has quite a lot of crossovers between uh, shared, shared, shared vehicles uh, into shared cars, into shared bikes. So I swapped four wheels for two and uh, launched Ofo in the UK in March. So we were the first non-docking bike sharing service worldwide. We started in 2014 in Beijing, China, and subsequently grew. We're the first organization to launch in the UK. And uh, my position is the general manager of UK and Ireland for OFO. Uh, we now have uh, 250 uh, cities live uh, in 20 countries worldwide and 32 million rides a day. That's a beautiful corporate answer there, Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no uh, there's Steve, I, I know very little about your background, actually. So where have you come from? And tell us a little bit about Mobike. Where have I come from? Okay. So, I mean, really, I've spent the last eight years working in bike share. Uh, I started working on the London Cycle Hire Scheme uh, just before it launched in 2010. Um, so I've seen it go from, well, the initial launch day when we had uh, just around 6,000 bikes. That was a, a mad night trying to get all those on street in one go. 
Um, so it's now got 12,000 bikes. And after seven years working there, I just decided that I was uh, in need for a bit of a, a challenge um, and saw the massive rise of uh, Dockless Bike Share and the benefits it can bring to cities. So uh, I got in touch with uh, Mobike and very fortunately, I was offered the job of general manager for the UK. Now, that, to, to, to go back to what uh, Joseph was saying, uh, Mobike is also a Chinese company. Correct. Yes. So we were founded, uh, we launched in 2016. So the same as same as Ofo, really, we've gone through a meteoric rise in a very short space of time um, and are now sort of in cities, um, countries all over the world. So just so people who, who are, who are uh, new to this sector and who don't know about it, they can go on to bite beers. They can look for the, 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 the squillions, the billions of, of uh, venture capital funding that has gone into uh, getting this sector off the ground. Uh, so we won't go into that uh, right now now but people can go and search for that there's a there's a, like a a tag you can search on bike biz for for bringing up all those stories but i'd like now to just go through a, a list of questions and i'm going to ask them uh as i said before with with antonia first um you might not have heard this steve so it's antonia first then tom then joseph and then steve you'll be you'll be last uh to to answer that call and that's just for people at home they know in the order we're doing them they know who's who, who who's answering it if i don't happen to mention uh, your name so uh, antonia first uh, personally which which description do you prefer because there are a few ways of describing I, I've, I've constantly called it dockless but when i've been at conferences i've heard it called other things so stationless is another option free floating is an option what's is there a consensus of where where this is coming down or what's your personal preference well my personal preference is to just talk about public bike sharing um it's not really possible to draw a really clean line between the older style operations and the newer style operations. Granted, uh, the technology has moved from um, the ground onto the bikes and, and we're moving increasingly in that direction. But um, some of the older uh, operators still had um, have, have operational models now where the kit is on the bike and there's, there isn't any kit on the road at all. And the majority of the new operators are using some form of virtual or marked out parking hubs and creating stations on street. So those divisions are very much blurring. And so I think it's best to just talk about bike sharing. Okay. Now, a lot of the the answers, I'm going to kind of like interrupt here before anybody else says anything and just say, I assume that some of the things that when, when any of you lot say something, we might then get answers of, yeah, what she said, what he said. Um, because I'm assuming there's going to be a fair bit of consensus uh, around many of the questions I'm, I'm going to answer, uh, ask here. If you, if we can, we, if we can somehow, even though I love consensus, of course, if we can just get a, a bit more background behind that rather than just what he said, what she said, you know, I agree with that, if, uh, if that's possible. But let, 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 let's, let's just track through and see what happens. So same question uh to tom about dockless stationless free floating where, where do you stand on that yeah at erbo we use uh, the word dockless um however now it's not the name that's important carlton it's it's the model of the system uh, that's important you know what what we're seeing in asia uh with free floating we don't believe uh, that's going to be exactly mirrored here in 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 europe and um, each individual council, I suppose, is going to have their own individual needs. So you might take, for example, 
uh, a council we're in up in, in North London, uh, they've decided to go with designated parking zones. Uh, and if you take, for example, uh, the capital of, of Ireland, Dublin, uh, when they launch in 2018, uh, you know, providers are going to have to have uh, cable locks uh, on their bikes. So um, I don't think it's the, the word that's the most important thing. It's, uh, it goes back to, to what these cities uh, actually want. Um, but to answer your question, we're, we're currently using the word dockless, uh, but that will change as, uh, as, we, uh, as this industry progresses. Okay. And Joseph? Um, I actually prefer the, the, the expression free floating. I think that's uh, far more understandable uh, as, a, as, a, as a newbie coming into the industry or uh, as a customer. Uh, but I think we all have to, be, we, have to, we have to be in consensus about what we call this new industry. So we go with dockless. Um, and, and I think that's fine for the moment. But yeah, the, the boundaries are blurring. And I think most sensible operators are, um, are, are providing a toolkit for cities uh, that which they can, which they can uh, apply as required. And Steve? Okay, um, well, I, I generally prefer bike share myself, the same as Antonia. Um, it is all one industry. Um, and as everyone said, really, the lines are blurring between what dockless, free floating, whatever you call it, and the old traditional style of heavy dock schemes are. So we employ a mixture of virtual docking stations already and street management of bikes that sort of are in public parking locations. So I think just the traditional bike share is what everyone understands. Um, so I, I'm more than happy to stay with that. OK, so we haven't got a full consensus there. That's interesting. Uh, but we're kind of gradually getting there potentially so whatever we're going to call this sector um how will it not how will it not stop people buying their own bike because that's the worry from the industry i guess is you know the industry sees all of these bikes out there and they might think well hang on people aren't going to buy bikes anymore so so antonia you start because i've been at conferences where we we have discussed this uh, and you had statistics which i'm sure you'll you'll, you'll bring out of sure. of how this isn't going to impact on on bike shops selling bikes yeah i mean i think it's funny that you know we don't talk about the fact that when uh, a taxi company is operating that we suddenly don't own cars anymore um they do different jobs for different different trip, trip purposes so um uh, Bike Plus, we run um, a survey every year to users, um, and last year uh, the respondents said that 18% of them had gone on to buy a bike since joining a scheme. So it was actually a catalyst to them, so uh, joining um, to, to buying a bike, um, which can only be a good thing. More bikes um, being used for different types of tip trips, different types of trips. Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm, I'm going to do something slightly different to what I thought I was going to do here. Uh, if I ask a question and I, I think I might get some consensus on it quite quickly and it becomes, a, you know, what she said, what he said, maybe we just go on to another question. So uh, w what I can do is if if I ha ask a question and everybody agrees with Antonia because Antonia is coming up first, then we can just go on to the next question. Or if you have something, a, a strong view where you either disagree or you want to give an additional point to what Antonia said, then maybe we'll go on there. So does anybody on that particular issue have anything strong to say about how this will or won't uh, stop yeah. people buying bikes? Yeah, it, I, I, I do. Joseph from OFO. Um, I, I think, I think OFO is working with local bike shops. And so, and I think bike business actually already reported on that uh, one or two times in 2017. So, we're an organization that's very keen to work locally and we're not 
we're not taking people away from bike, buying their own bicycles. In fact, the the evidence shows that bike sharing schemes actually get people to buy more bicycles. And that's been played out in London with the Boris bikes or the Ken bikes or Sadiq cycles or whatever you want to call it um, over, over the past over the past uh, uh, a few years. But what we're doing is working with local bike shops so that we're also providing a revenue stream to maintain and repair the bicycles. OK. And Tom from Erbo, just uh, to um, further Joseph's point, um, at Erbo, what we're finding is we're working with local uh, cycling and training groups. Um, and a lot of the people who come to those courses don't uh, have access to a bicycle. Um, they have once cycled, uh, but now that they're living, let's say, in an apartment, they don't have their own bike. But by having access to a bike share system, they're getting back into the habit of cycling. Um, and these, these bicycles that we're providing to, to cities, they're for short distance travel. So what we're finding with, with, with people taking our courses, they're using our bicycles for short term travel. Uh, but then at the weekends when they want to go on their 10 or 20k cycle, they're, they're back into the habit of cycling. They're going down to the local cycling shop and actually buying their own bike and using both. So as, as they say, a, a rising tide lifts all ships. Okay. So I'm going to I'm going to continue using just for shorthand. Do you the, the, the every question will, will basically feature uh, much to the chagrin, no doubt, of Antonio. We'll use the word dockless just because that's 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 way. It's certainly the tag on Bitebiz. You know, I'd have to to completely re- reshape the tags on Bitebiz to to change that. However, so I'll just use carry on using dockless. So all of these different companies that have that have come into this, and in China, there's 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 many more. Um, but is is the dockless bike share explosion that we saw in 2017, which I'm sure is going to continue in, in eight, 2018, is it a winner-takes-all thing? Is it like, you know, a first-mover advantage, the Amazon-type thing? Or do you think there'll always be room for a number of companies? So, Antonio, uh, Antonio, I, I, I guess you're going to be quite political on, on answering that question. Um, well, I think it's important that there's competition in the sector. Um, uh, we've gone from having um, a, around um, three main operators in the UK, uh, you know, 18 months ago to uh, well over double of double the amount. Um, but I think that there will be a limit to that. Um, at the moment, we're issuing kind of guidance to local authorities that are taking the route of multiple operators to um, take caution ar- around encouraging too many operators in one locality um, we feel that there, there probably is um, a kind of optimal level of, of, of number of operators for each kind of level of, of, of city and, and and that local authorities should be careful about that as these things play out nationally I, I kind of think we will wait and see um, I think it, we, we want to encourage competition, but we want to make sure that each of those businesses can be sustainable um, and that they're there for the long term for the users to use. And Tom, where, where do you see Erbo fitting in here? Because you've got two Chinese rivals here with an awful lot of cash. So can you answer the same question? Do you think there'll always be space for, for an operator such as Erbo? Absolutely, yes. And I, th- I think we've proven that to date by, by, by coming into the market. And uh, I suppose, you know, we're here in London with both uh, OFO and Mobike. Uh, we do believe that there is going to be con- consolidation in the market. We're already seeing that over in China. Um, however, you know, this isn't really about the operators, it's about the cities. Each 
city is going to have their own needs and naturally they're going to align with different uh, operators. Um, competition is going to be very important in this space, uh, you know, and I suppose it's all about making sure it's, it's healthy competition. Um, we do believe there needs to be a limited number of operators in each city. It, it, it's funny that, you know, with the docked system up until now, just let's, be, let's say being one provider in every city, uh, and now with, uh, you know, dockless providers coming in, um, some cities are going with, you know, five or six. We don't believe that's sustainable. Um, so we, we, we are trying to talk with councils and, and educate them as much as we can about what's happening elsewhere. Um, but, yeah, I definitely think there's room for a, a more nimble operator like Erbo. Um, and and we, we definitely have ambitions to, to grow this company uh, across the UK and Europe. OK, Joseph, you're you're talking to us today from Sheffield, where yeah. you today, in fact, you are launching a thousand bikes in, in, in Sheffield, uh, OFO bicycles, three speed uh, bicycles, uh, solar powered lights, etc., etc. I saw in the press release. Now, does Sheffield already have another operator? Not 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 a dockless one at this scale. No. Uh, OK, so we're, we're- we're the first operator to come in like this. Okay, you're uh, the first there. So, just in that general question, I thought if there was a competition there, we could we could come in from that angle. But there's not. Okay, so you're the first one there. No. But if if say uh, another company, uh, but perhaps on the same call here, or two companies uh, came into Sheffield, uh, will there be room for them? I think what's important is that every city and sorry, every operator works with the permission of cities. Um, what, what, what we've seen elsewhere in the world is um, schemes parachuting without permission from cities and then that having a, a negative uh, reaction. So we've been working with Sheffield for a number of months now and have got agreement to launch here. And we're very happy to be launching uh, today. Uh, and it, it, so far, so good. Um, to, to, to answer your question about competition, we, we think competition is really important and we, 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 we actually welcome it. We'd love to go uh, alongside everyone, uh, along, alongside other, other operators because I think it keeps us sharp um, and obviously drives improvement um, uh, for the customer. But I also think uh, slightly, different, slightly differently from Tom who's thinking about cities, you have to think about the customer. And the customer... Um, I think choice is good, but you can't have too much choice. Hmm. Uh, so there's a network effect at play here. If you have too many operators with too many bikes, um, you have to download too many apps and you have to walk further to get to a bicycle when you need one. So I think there is an optimal number of bicycle operators for a city. And that's why we're working with Bike Plus in the absence of regulation um, and, uh, in the UK to have this industry-wide um, consensus about how we should operate as a new sector. Okay, and Steve, where do you stand on this? Um, there's there's always going to be competition, and competition's really good. Uh, as Joseph said, it, it drives innovation. It makes people uh, keep on their toes all the time, so you always get better and better uh, experience for end users. So, um, and at the end of the day, consumers really are going to decide hmm. um, what happens and and how which customers are going to be successful, which bike schemes are going to be successful. So, um, yeah, can. It's going to be good. Sorry, I'm losing my words here. I hope you can cut this out a little bit. Um, <laughs> competition is great. Uh, it will always be there and it drives innovation. So it, we welcome it and the cities welcome it as well. As Antonia says, she doesn't want one player monopolizing mm. of the country. Um, she wants uh, lots of different schemes out there. So that will keep everybody on their toes. 
um, and that's only good for the industry. And you've seen the traditional dock share um, providers uh, have actually upped their game as well, so with different models for licensing, different models for launching in cities, um, and they've become sort of free-floating themselves. So Smooth and Nextbike uh, have all got sort of free-floating models as part of their standard operation now. So it's driving innovation across the industry. Okay. So uh, going back to Antonia here, so lo- loads of cars can be parked in a neighbourhood and, and nobody bats an eyelid because they've been doing this for, for, for obviously 100 years. But one or two dockless <coughs> bikes are left in the middle of footways and there are letters to, to local newspapers. So so what gives, Antonia? What's, what's going on here with this sector? Why do people get so irate over benign bicycles? Yeah, I mean, it's frustrating when often you even see cars quite frequently parked on pavements themselves. Um, but, you know, this that's old news bike sharing is is novel and new and so it will catch people's attention i think regardless of what happens um with the motor sector we we need to be responsible as a sector um we've set out guidelines through our accreditation um scheme um to encourage responsible behavior and and the operators are all keen to to implement those uh, guidelines and make sure that um public space is well managed um, and that all the users of those footpaths are, are considered um, with, with schemes are implemented. So before I go to the operators, I'll just I'll just change the question slightly for, for the, the people who are uh, on this call who are operators. So what, what can you guys do to combat the, the supposed, and I'm, I'm using this in inverted commas here, the littering of bikes, the, the way that bikes are supposedly just left everywhere so that would now be tom who's going to take us away on that one yeah absolutely great question you know this is expected because it's new it's 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 a change um, and it's human nature in, in many regards to be reluctant to change so it's up to operators like erbo to educate users and residents firstly of the benefits uh, of our schemes um and then to answer your question about the littering effect, uh, for this to be a success long-term, uh, operational excellence from providers is going to be absolutely critical. So at Erbo, we have a positive fleet management plan and um, that sets out how we manage a scheme for a city. Uh, we have an average response uh, time now of 31 minutes to any report. So uh, I believe operators uh, are going to be pushing each other to ensure that uh, as an industry uh, the streets aren't littered so like working with organizations and being members of, of let's say bike plus is brilliant because bike plus facilitate meetings uh, for operators to talk about these uh, so-called challenges okay well we'll get into regulations in a minute which is where you were you're almost going there uh, joseph what's what's where do you, where's your take on the on the littering and, and getting people or users to put them in in the proper places I think there's there's three things. There's technology, there's our, our operations team, and there's also time. Um, so technology, uh, all of our bikes are GPS, and you have geofenced areas within the app where you're incentivized as a customer to park the bicycle. So we're 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 incentivizing our customers in good behaviour in, in in that manner. Uh, operations teams, we have an active operations team like Tom. We have a response with a, within about half an hour if there's a bike badly parked or a bike damaged. These, these are these are people that know the city that are cycling around on e-bikes or trailers or are using vans to move the bikes around the city. So we're actively redistributing our bikes, and we think that 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 that's that's useful. 
and then uh, that's that's obviously a requirement for any any uh, non-docking bike sharing service. And then lastly, time. I think it, the, in popularity, if you think about the the, uh, the the frog being dropped in boiling water, it's going to jump out. Mm. And I think I think I think we've got all got very used to um, uh, very used to cars being badly parked everywhere, so we don't really see it. But when you see one or two bikes parked up on the start corner of the road, you, you definitely notice it. And I think uh, we need to make sure that our schemes are popular, that we have customers being advocates for us in cities. And, and we'll, we'll, yeah, that, that, that's what happened. OK, thank you. Uh, my next question, uh, before we go into an ad break, is not really for Antonio, I don't think. This one's just purely a, a, an app question. Um, so just to you guys. So we'll start with Tom first. Uh, does the Erbo app track users just before and just after a successful hire no um all our all our uh, gps tracking is done through the smart lock and the bike uh, as opposed to a user's phone so we don't track our users after they let's say lock a bike but we know at all times where every one of our bikes is because our gps is on the bicycle okay same question for joseph does the the ofo app track users before and after a successful hire we all of our bikes are gps tracked we have gps um uh, tracking devices on the bikes we only track you as a customer when you're using the app and have got it open in reservation and we only are looking at with the the routes that you you're taking here or uh, while using the bicycles so that we can share the information with local authorities so then they can make informed choices about how they develop their cities for improved cycling infrastructure and steve on mobike what does mobike do uh, again we only track the the mobile phone when people are hiring <coughs> a bike the moment it comes off higher we don't track that phone anymore but the bikes like everyone else we're connected with gps and we're connected to vodafone's iot network so we've got sort of eight million bikes connected to an iot network so we can track them all the time as well so iot is internet of things yeah yes correct Okay, so at that stage of of today's recording, I'd like to go into an ad break. So we'll be back in a few seconds. Hey, Carlton, thanks so much. And it's it's always my pleasure to talk about our advertiser. This is a longtime loyal advertiser. We're glad to have them back again, of course, in 2017. You all know who I'm talking about. It's Jensen USA at JensenUSA.com slash The Spokesman. I've been telling you for years now, years, that Jensen is the place where you can get a great selection of every kind of product that you need for your cycling lifestyle at amazing prices. And what really sets them apart, because of course there's lots of online retailers out there, but what really sets them apart is their unbelievable support. When you call and you've got a question about something, you'll end up talking to one of their gear advisors. And these are cyclists. I've been there. I've seen it. These folks... This is something we'll talk about on today's show, but these are folks who, who ride their bikes to and from work. These are folks who ride at lunch, who go out on group rides after work because they just enjoy cycling so much. Uh, and, and so you know that when you call, you'll be talking to somebody who has knowledge of the products that you're calling about. Now, talking about great deals, it is time for Jensen USA's annual bike sale, their 2017 annual bike sale. If If you're looking for a new bike, whether it's a mountain bike, a road bike, a gravel bike, a fat bike, what are you looking for? 
because now it's spring and the sun is shining and the birds are chirping and it's time to get back out on your bike, check out Jensen USA's annual bike sale and you will not be disappointed. They always have great deals on complete bikes. I mean, I'll just give you an example. I'm looking at their website, a 2016 Orbea Occam TR M30, normally $3,999, now just $2,699. What are you waiting for? It's a great bike from a great brand at a great price. Go ahead and check them out. Jensen USA, they are the place where you will find everything you need for your cycling lifestyle. It's jensenusa.com slash the spokesman. We thank them so much for their support, and we thank you for supporting Jensen USA. All right, Carlton, let's get back to the show. Thanks, David. And we are back uh, with a, a, a spokesman cycling roundtable special on the dockless. Uh, I know Antonio will hate me for saying that, but the, the dockless bike sector. Uh, and, and I'd now like to go into how the, the sector is faring right now, perhaps in China and what that maybe says about the rest of the world. So on Bike Beers, I did a story about Blue Gogo, which is one of the, is, is it the third biggest company after uh, Ofo and Mobike in China? Now, they went under recently, or la- certainly last month, they went under and uh, they owed users some money because of the, the that you pay um, deposits to to get to use the app, etc. So that's led to an awful lot of speculation in the financial press, uh, certainly in China and 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 around the world, that, that the dockless bike sector, share sector, it's it, it's a bubble. It, it's not going to last. So uh, I will ask Antonia for 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 her reaction to that first. Then I'll come to the the bike share companies themselves. So Antonia, is this a bubble? No, I don't think that that's the case. I think that there will inevitably be some consolidation, as was mentioned earlier. But I think the the key thing is that we push for sustainable and transparent business models um, so that we understand how these businesses can can be viable and can be maintained for the long term. And I think we encourage local authorities to be asking those questions. Um, And we also encourage um, in our accreditation scheme for uh, businesses to be operating ethically to have uh, sustainable pricing models that can be um, you know, maintained over the long term that aren't going to do the have the uber effect of, of squeezing out, out um, uh, models that are, are based more on getting income from um, from the um, users. I mean, bike sharing has always had money from private sector. It, it's never kind of sustained itself on, on user fees alone. So we, we welcome the fact that there's private investment it it you know who wouldn't want private sector finance coming into encouraging people to cycle more it's it's a great thing but we need to just be careful about um making sure that the standards are set at the the right levels that we think about how we take care with people's deposits uh typically um there's there's a shift away from holding deposits now so that um users aren't put at those kind of risks but um yeah we want to just make sure that, that there's good practice really Okay, now, now, Tom, are you, is Erbo pump priming a bubble? Are you putting money, your own money, into a bubble? Um, we're not putting, we, we are putting our own money into, into this industry. Uh, we're not putting it into a bubble. Uh, as you may know, uh, Blue Gogo have now been acquired by Didi, the taxi hailing company in China. Um, but it's no, it's, no, it's no wonder they went under. You know, we believe they went into unsustainable locations in China. 
uh, locations that l allowed in uh, a whole host of operators, uh, a whole host of you know different numbers of bikes per operator, uh, areas that were you know cities that, that had no pricing regulation that led to, to some monopolistic behaviour. Um, so you know at Erbo, what we believe is absolutely critical is uh, the number of operators in, in in each area. We absolutely welcome healthy competition, um, but we are going to be um, you know very careful. Uh, where we deploy our bicycles because um, the last thing uh, we want users um, to be left with is, you know, uh, companies coming into an area, you sign up, you become a member, you start to use the scheme and all of a sudden uh, that company um, bikes get lifted uh, 12 months down the line. So like Joseph said earlier uh, in, this, in this call, we always have to have the end user in mind because they're the most important people uh, in, in, in this space. And Joseph, yeah. bubble or not? <laughs> Obviously, I'm going to say it's not a bubble. Um, <laughs> so the business model is sustainable. We, we've been going since 2014. We're, we're very large. We've got quite a lot of uh, investment now, and uh, we're continuing to grow. Uh, your point you made about um, uh, uh, Blue, Blue Gogo, they, 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 were, they were the third operator in China, but they were the third operator by quite a long way. Uh, I, I think... Uh, Collectively, between uh, Ofo and Mobike, we've got something like 90% of market share over in over in over in the east. So um, and I, th I think, uh, yeah, and I, I think I think that uh, so so it's, it's there's going to be some consolidation uh, in the sector as it grows. That that's for sure. I also think the state of our cities is such that with the air quality issues we're facing in in London in particular, lots of other places around the world. The issues with uh, Dieselgate and the problems with motor cars, that and, and growing populations in cities, that, that the bike sharing must be sustainable because we need it uh, in our cities. So, I think from a business perspective, it is. From a social, <coughs> from a social perspective, it's absolutely necessary. And but from uh, also from Ofo, we, we've never we've never taken deposits uh, in the UK because what we want is for people to be able to see the bike, download an app, and then go. We don't want there to be any barrier between uh, you, the user, and jumping on a bike. And uh, yeah, so that, that, yeah. Okay. Now, Steve, I dare you to say it's a bubble. <laughs> go on. So it's... prove them wrong. <laughs> Of course, it's not a bubble. Um, the same as everyone else says, really. I mean, they're, they're very good, sustainable business models we've got here. Um, the, the industry has been crying out for it for, for a long time. You've seen um, other bike shares in other cities, I won't mention them, uh, have not been very successful. And they've had to sort of disband after a couple of years because their initial funding have gone. So this is a very welcome thing for cities. Um, and you mentioned Blue Go Go. I think everyone in this group, so Erbo um, and Ofo, have already said, they work with cities to make sure they're allowed in. And the biggest mistake I think Blue Gogo -Go made was their massive international expansion into San Francisco without asking anybody um, and unceremoniously taken out of San Francisco very quickly because they didn't get the permission of the city. So all of the operators in the UK are going about this the right way. We're talking to cities. We understand what local governments and cities need um, and how to work with them. And that's, that's really important. So, of course, no, this isn't a bubble. This is a really long-term sustainable business. And, and thank, thank the world for that. It, it's a really important thing, um, as uh, Joe's already mentioned, for air quality, for health of the cities. Um, so hopefully it will be a sort of a meteoric rise and uptake throughout the UK. Can, can, can I step in, Carlton? Mm. Uh, 
just just one thing. As 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 in, as as operators, we're joining Bike Plus, and that's important for a number of reasons. As I said previously, it, it, in the absence of regulation, we need to self-regulate, and this is the best way of doing it. But there's also some confidence that working with Bike Plus can give to cities. If, for example, one of the bike sharing operators were to leave a city, the accreditation with Bike Plus means that we have to give the email addresses and contact details over to Bike Plus. So then they can write to the, um, obviously within, within the data protection realms, uh, they can write to the customers and introduce them to another service. So that if there is that change of ownership or a, an operator was to leave a city, that you wouldn't you wouldn't undo all of the good work that is, that's happened by getting people on bikes and lose those customers. So that's, that's kind of, that's part of the roles and that's some of the value that... Uh, that we see from joining Bike Plus. Okay. Uh, well, I'll start again with, with Bike Plus and with Antonia. And, and this is a question that maybe you've actually explored already. I, I've certainly seen studies uh, in other, the, the, the docked form of bike share, Antonia, where uh, the demographics of, of, of bike share are white, male, middle class. So uh, do you think uh, this, this, this additional sector has more chance to get more women on bikes, on other groups on bikes, apart from that demographic that's clearly going for the, 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 the sector that's been around for a while? Um, yeah, so the, we've done the user survey for two years now, and we've actually found a really um, healthy shift in demographic, particularly in terms of um, female um, uptake. Um, uh, this perhaps hasn't been reflected quite so much in London, which is maybe the, the statistics you've seen. Um, but certainly outside of London, it, it's getting closer to 50-50. And I think it's because it's that kind of bikes can be made available um, in parks, by um, rivers, in places where you feel safe to cycle on the infrastructure. Um, and it's just a really easy, safe introduction to, to cycling for, for a low cost. But then... Um, in addition to that, um, with the introduction of e-bikes, we've done some research around that, and that's encouraging uh, a wider uptake as well in terms of age demographic as well as gender, uh, because it's kind of giving you that assurance that you'll definitely get up the hill. You, you know, gives you that boost of confidence, um, and there's definitely a, an increased uptake of um, of e-bikes within within all all schemes, dockless as well as docked uh, at the moment. Oh, you made me say dockless. There you go. <laughs> Success. Uh, no. Before I widen that question out, and, and you mentioned uh, e-bikes there, so I actually did a story on Bike Biz last night about uh, Motivate in uh, the US, uh, where the the Ford-sponsored scheme in the Bay Area in San Francisco uh, are bringing in a whole bunch of I think 250 electric bikes into San Francisco in April, which is interesting in itself. But then deeper down in the information in the story I did, there's this. Um, how Motivate operate they were saying that uh, they have this uh, the business model is when you sign up to become a member if you're a, 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 from a low income if you can prove that you're from a, a low income community then you get it super cheap as your annual fee so uh, to ask the operators uh, do you foresee any models such as that that will get more people from different communities 
uh, onto your machine. So, so Tom first, what do you think about that model and, and can you see any future for it? Yeah, absolutely. So to, to firstly answer the question to, to get more, um, you know, women cycling, I think there's, there's two ways operators can do that. Uh, firstly, it's the design of the bike. So our, our design team in Ireland have designed a bicycle that's uh, comfortable for both females and males to ride. Uh, then secondly, it's working with local uh, groups in the city that you're operating in. So up in North London, uh, we've partnered with three um, women cycling groups to try uh, and encourage more ladies uh, to, to cycle around the boroughs we're in here. Um, and then... Uh, there's other uh, groups uh, within the, the cities we're in where, where bicycle usage is, is, is let's say, low. Um, so it's all about working with communities, uh, working with the council, partnering with the council. Because at the end of the day, it's the city councils who know their cities more than anyone. Um, so, you know, having a partnership with that city uh, and identifying areas uh, where, where, where bicycle usage is low and working with groups within those communities to try to increase the cycling mode is, is absolutely critically important. The last thing uh, we want to see is operators coming in and just focusing on high usage zones, uh, you know, mm. where, 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 they're, where, where they're all going to get their, let's say, their 50Ps. I think it's very important that bicycles are left uh, across the city, even in areas where low usage is uh, low at the beginning, uh, and operators work on increasing that number by by working with communities and community groups. Joseph, t- take us up on on Tom's point. There, are you doing something similar? Is that is that a goal you've got as well? Well, the Santander bikes, the Boris bikes, have tended to focus in, you know, uh, in, in the centre of uh, cities, do- not docking stations, and tends to focus in the centre of cities. They tend to service. Um, uh, well, when I look in London, it seems to be white guys with ties riding the bikes. Um, <clears throat> so by definition, we're going to be servicing a wider geography of cities, which means that we can get different community groups and different parts of the city cycling by the very nature of the geography that we're focusing on and the geofence that we're covering. So that's the first point. Um, Secondly, our bikes are really light, actually. So uh, they're about 16 kilograms. So that's about eight kilograms lighter than a Santander or other, other docking station bikes, which means that uh, we actually see a far better uptake from, from, from women uh, as, as there's a lighter ride. So they, they find it easier to ride. Um, so that's some of the feedback we get from customers, which is brilliant. And uh, yeah, we're also working with community groups and doing bikeability training. Um, and, 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 and a lot of people, we're in Cambridge and Oxford, and there's quite a lot of students there who haven't necessarily ridden in, um, in the UK before. Mm-hmm. And giving some, tra- giving some training about how best to ride, you know, uh, how, uh, indicating all that kind of stuff is, 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 is bread and butter for what we do. Okay. And Steve? Yes. So, I mean, I've been in bike share for quite a long time and the industry has been trying their best and really good endeavors to sort of encourage different demographics into bike share for a long time, um, which is why it was really exciting for me to partner with British Cycling. Um, so Mobike and British Cycling have got together and we get involved in their breeze rides, which are encouraging women to get out. So we provide bikes. If uh, people haven't got their own bikes, they can go and enjoy those. Um, and by using British Cycling, they're experts in their field. If we want to get real sort of societal change here and get lots of people on bikes um using someone like british cycling with all their research and statistics uh, is a game changer um so yes i think that's massively important and we're, we're using professionals to help us do that as well 
Okay. Uh, this is going to be my final question. So you will get uh, to get to your Sheffield launch, uh, Joseph. Uh, and and the, 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 the final question, I'm going to leave Antonio out to begin with. Antonio, you can actually sum up the, the answers <laughs> to this one. And this is, this is regulations. Uh, so I know you're, 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 you're heavily involved in that. So I'm going to ask the operators first. So, so regulation by local authorities is, is, is clearly a hot potato. And at the conferences I've been at with you guys, this, is, this has been something that you talk about a lot. So uh, given that it's something right at the top of your, your agendas for, for taking this sector forward, what are the sort of regulations you're pushing for what are the sort of regulations you'd be comfortable with so so tom i know you've absolutely been pushing for this uh where yeah. conferences i've been at you've said i want regulations i want regulations so so tell us why you want regulations yeah absolutely from the outset erbo have been um you know voicing the the, the need for regulation and uh, why we've done that um it's because we've had the end user in sight at all times um, we believe it must be regulations as opposed to as opposed to guidelines, um, and I suppose when what are we what, what regulation do we want? Uh, you know, I'll, I'll keep it short and simple. Uh, we believe there needs to be healthy competition in cities, so uh, councils um, should strongly consider the number of operators. Um, you know, there can be too many operators, like Joseph referred to earlier, users having to have multiple apps, etc. So number of operators in a particular area is going to be very important. Uh, and then fair competition, because the last thing we want to see is monopolistic pricing. Uh, it's happened in China. And that's the reason why, uh, you know, two operators have 90 percent of the market over there. Um, so, you know, fair pricing is going to play a crucial, crucial part. We don't want to see any of this predatory pricing in, in the UK. Okay, Joseph. Regulations. Where where are you at? So we, we've been working with the DFT, TFL, and the cities we've, we've been working in um, as we're the first organisation to launch in the UK. We think it's really important we take a clear stand on this. Um, there needs to be a focus on the end user, a focus on the customer. We therefore can't have too many operators in. In, uh, uh, in 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 the same environments, we need to limit the amount of numbers of operators. In Oxford, I think there's five now. We were the first in there, having created a code of conduct with the city. So this is why, in the absence of regulation, we fully support Bike Plus, and we actually urge other operators to join Bike Plus too, as the industry body. They can help adjudicate and uh, uh, ensure that the standards are being met. So. That's the first thing. I also think it's really important that globally we're not entering cities without cities' permission. And I think there's been a few examples recently, Dallas, for example, uh, where where operators have, have launched without permission. And I think we, we need to be very clear on not doing that. So I think some light some light touch regulation from government would be brilliant. I don't think that's going to happen in the UK anytime soon. Therefore, I think Bike Plus or accreditation systems like Bike Plus are absolutely crucial. Steve, your take on that? Um, yes, I'm, I think regulation is essential. Um, it makes sure that cities get what's most important to them, which generally is uh, in transport world is around safety. They've got to be absolutely guarantee that every time a person gets on a bike, it is rideable, uh, it's safe, it's not going to cause harm or injury. And I know Transport for London probably get rebuked every time a train's five minutes late, but they're more concerned with making sure people get there than maybe every train 100% on time, which is 
why regulation comes in. So the only stipulation I think I would add to that is that I would like some kind of consistency. So that would be really helpful for the industry to have a consistent regulatory approach across the UK, because at the moment, um, every city takes a slightly different approach. So it will be good to, to sort of have a, a consistent approach across everybody. OK, and that, that consistent approach, Antonio, could come from a bodies such as, as Bike Plus. Is that correct? Or do you think it'll be taken out of your hands? DFT, TFL will, will, will impose stuff. So how, how do you see Bike Plus faring going on? forward from now yeah so i mean we, we set up the accreditation scheme for exactly that reason to create a, a national standard that provides that consistency and it takes away the pressure on the local authorities to be um, inventing their own schemes and their own set of code of conducts and then also to have to then scrutinize them so we provide a service where we actually go through in detail uh, each of the operators um ways of working to ensure that those uh, criteria are being met and we, we do that on an ongoing basis and and also you know it's, it's a set of standards that's agreed with consensus from the local authorities um, but has that a flexibility to adapt in in years to come as as the industry might change uh, we're just seeing news from america at the moment that where they're bringing in regulation which is the wrong regulation and that's I think what where the danger is to me there should be three layers it should be the accreditation at the core of it which is a national standards that should be wrapped around by the local authorities setting their own guidelines about what they want locally in terms of number of bikes and number of operators um, for their choice Um, and then that should be enforced on the third layer by a bylaw that just is a very simple overarching statement that allows local authorities to enforce uh, their permit system uh, if they've gone for local uh, for multiple operators or their contract if they've gone for a uh, um, single operator um, and I think you know that's that's easy to implement we've already got the accreditation there in in, in process we just need um, the agreement of government to, to put the bylaw in place to it to enforce that really. Okay thank you now uh, thank you all for uh, taking time out of your busy schedule today, perhaps busiest uh, is today, is Joseph, because Joseph has got to to rush off and launch his bikes in Sheffield. So I'm going to start with you first, Joseph, and then you can you can get away and cut whatever ribbons you've got to cut. So tell us uh, how people can get in touch with you personally and give us your corporate uh, Twitter uh, web addresses, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. And then then you run. Yeah, well, the first thing that anyone can do is download the OFO app, obviously, um, and, and, and use the service. 50p a half an hour, uh, and, and there you go. We're in uh, five or six cities now today in the UK. Um, and, yeah, uh, you feel free to reach out to us. Um, the, all the information is on the website, on, on the app. And if you want to tweet at us, we're at OFO underscore bicycle UK. And all the telephone numbers and all the all the bits and bobs are on the bikes as well. So we're, you'll find us to be quite um, communicative. And you've got, a, you've got a person. Oh, you're going, Joseph. Go, 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 go. Okay. Thank you. Cheers. Good luck, <laughs> Joseph. Good luck in Sheffield. I, I, I was about to say, Joseph does actually have a, a personal uh, Twitter handle too. Oh, uh, yeah. oh, he's still there. So, so yes, <laughs> but it's, it's quite easy to find because Seal Drive is quite an unusual name. So you, you can find that on Twitter, no problem. Okay, so I will, I will go to Tom next. Tom, how do we find Erbo on the World Wide Web? Yeah, so um, www.myerbo.com. Uh, on the App Store and Google Play Store, it's My Herbo. Uh, and on any of our social media sites, it's at My Herbo. Uh, if you want to get in touch with me personally, uh, please email tom at herbosolutions.com. 
And Herbo is also uh, 50p for every 30-minute journey. So please download the app. We're uh, based up in North London currently. Uh, and we'll be announcing next week uh, our first launch outside of London uh, in the UK. So stay tuned. Stay tuned indeed. And Steve, how do we get Mobike in 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 the world, in, in, in the UK? How do we in get in touch? Um, very simple. Mobike.com is the web address. Download the app. Or we're Mobike UK on Twitter and Facebook. So very simple. Beautiful. And uh, last but not least, Antonia, how do we find out about Bike Plus and the accreditation services you do? And, and, and tell us how you operate. Sure. Um, so the uh, web address is, is car plus bike plus. Or if you put in bike plus, you, you get to it pretty easily. Um, Twitter were bike plus bike. Um, and personally, if you want to, to ask me any questions, I'm just Antonia, A-N-T-O-N-I-A at bikeplus.org.uk or similarly on LinkedIn. Happy happy to take conversations from and questions from people. Wonderful. That has been great from everybody there. We, we have now lost Joseph. He's sprinted off. I'm imagining him sprinting off in, in the, the seven hills of Sheffield. Uh, however, uh, I do want to thank... Um, everybody else has been on this call, which has been Steve Pyre of Mobike, uh, Joseph Seal Driver of OFO, Tom McGovern of OVO, and the last person you heard there was Antonio Roberts of Bike Plus. And so this has been the Spokesman Cycling Roundtable podcast, the second show of the year. Uh, there will be links, etc., in the show notes, as per usual. So thank you ever so much for listening to today's show. Thank you for subscribing to the show. Thanks for telling your friends. And until the next show... Get out there and ride!